0: Well, hi, Garden City. It's Kevin again, and I'll be bringing you the message for today. Some time back, I had a buddy of mine who shared with me that he went and saw a family friend. And this particular lady had the gift, or what he described as the gift of prophecy. And she spoke words over his life. And I found that that conversation with my buddy was just really intriguing. She said some things about him and told him about some things about the future. And as he was sharing, I immediately thought, hey, do you think she can carve out some time for me? I'd love to receive a word. And so he called her up and uh, later that evening, she was able to see me and my friend. And so we went over there. There's nothing weird. It was just a little apartment, her and her husband. She started off by, you know, just feeding us a little meal. And after that, she shared her story about how God Miraculously healed her internal organs. And from there, she said, Hey, can we pray for you? I said, Yeah, this is what I've been waiting for. And so she began to pray. And I remember she said uh, one specific thing that I haven't forgotten to this day. And I want to share that with you. She said, Kevin, you have the spirit of Samuel. Samuel was a prophet in the Old Testament who was kind of like a spiritual advisor for King David. And so I took that and tried to figure out what that meant, and till this day, you know, I visit it periodically wondering, what does that mean? Have you ever had a, a word spoken over you? Someone says, hey, I had a dream about you last night, or I really believe that the Lord wants me to tell you this, or maybe you have a strong impression believing that this is the Holy Spirit speaking to you or through you. Or maybe you are exposed to a new type of teaching and it really kind of hits you in a, in a particular way. And you want to know, how do I know if this is from the Spirit of God or if this is just from my own spirit or if this is a projection of just my own issues or, or whatnot? I want to draw your attention to 1 John 4. Uh, verses 1 through 6. This is the passage that we're going to be looking at today. Uh, This is John the Apostle. He says, Dear friends, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. And this is how you know if a spirit comes from God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come as a human is from God. And every spirit that doesn't confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which we have heard is coming and is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and you have defeated these people because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And they, they're from the world. And so they speak from the world's point of view And so the world listens to them. We are from God. And the person who knows God listens to us. And whoever is not from God doesn't listen to us. And this is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And I know maybe some of you are thinking, "Well, I don't know if this really applies to me because any person that comes to me and says, I have a word from you or... There's an impression. I just kind of throw that junk to the side. It just really doesn't phase me. Well, I want to draw your attention to Apostle Paul's words in First Thessalonians. Paul says, "Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good, and reject every kind of evil." So we need to be open to the various ways in which God is communicating His truth whether it's through a message, whether it's through an impression, a dream, whether it's through just words that a person may have for us. We need to test them. And so John gives us kind of a test for how we can move in a direction towards discerning different spirits. And so what I wanna do today is I wanna give us five ways in which we can test a word, test an impression, Test the message to see whether or not it really has come from God. So the first one, and I think this is the most important, is does it point to the biblical Jesus, right? This is, this is I think, foundation. In Matthew 16, I think you know the passage where Jesus turns to Peter and he says, hey, Peter, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, Peter says, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say that you're Elijah, some Jeremiah, or you're just one of the prophets. And Jesus says, but what about you? You know, I I don't care about what other people are saying. What are you? What do you believe? He says, you're the Messiah. You're the long-awaited anointed one. And then Jesus says, that's awesome. He says, because flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but rather my Father who's in heaven, And it's upon this rock or this confession, this belief of who I am as the Messiah that I will build a church and that the gates of Hades will not be able to destroy. So what Jesus is saying here is that having a right biblical understanding of himself is central to discerning whether or not something has really come from God. Now, I want to give a little bit of of, of a historical background of what probably is taking place in John's community as he's writing this letter. There's these preachers, these group of preachers that have risen, and they've been preaching this message that Jesus was a spiritual being, which we agree, but Jesus wasn't actually a human being. Now, Jesus had a human form. He appeared to be human. But he wasn't actually flesh and blood because how could God die on the cross? That just is blasphemy. And what they emphasized was in order to have salvation or to experience life the way that God intended, you needed to have these special knowledge or information. And that's what they were preaching. And so John's community wasn't immune to that. They heard about this and just saying, John saying, no, every person, every spirit that confesses that Jesus didn't come in human form, that was actually a human being, you could guarantee and count on that that is actually not a message from God. Now, why? Jesus is 100% divine and 100% human, right? You can't divorce one over the other. And this set of kind of preachers wanted to real elevate the divinity of Jesus and really diminish the humanity of Jesus. And when you do that, you get something that's very imbalanced and has all sorts of negative implications in terms of following and being a disciple of Jesus. And so when you divorce the humanity from the divinity of Jesus, you get something that's incomplete and not healthy. Let me give you an example. What's more important? Is your exhale or your inhale which one is more important to your life? And you're, you're gonna say, no, they're both important. Well, depending, maybe depending on the situation, maybe you need to hold your breath, right, and go underwater. But you both need the exhale and the inhale, and that combination makes it so that you can have and experience a healthy life. And in the same way, Jesus' divinity and humanity coming together completes a perfect picture of the biblical Jesus. The Spirit's role in all of this is for us to look at Jesus. You know, I've, I've been in some circles where it's all about the Holy Spirit. It's Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. And it's almost like Jesus is kind of like secondary to the Holy Spirit. But biblically, the Holy Spirit's function and the job is to come alongside of us to convict us of our sins, to show us um, our need for Jesus and drives us to the person of Christ so that we can experience forgiveness, redemption, life, and salvation. And the Holy Spirit has no problem not getting all the attention and the applause because the Holy Spirit loves Jesus and wants to defer and always point and honor Jesus. And so somebody who's speaking on behalf of the Holy Spirit isn't drawing attention necessary to the Holy Spirit, but really pointing and pushing people to Christ. So, number two, so we looked at does it point to the biblical person of Jesus? So, the second way in which we can test whether or not a word or impression or message is from God is to ask ourselves does it deepen my love, my intimacy in obedience to Jesus? A person once came to Jesus and said, hey, what's the greatest command? And so Jesus reached back and he looked at all the Old Testament, all the laws, all the commandments, all the prophecies, and all the prophets saying. And he condensed it and said, it's this. It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Jesus makes it very clear that he's the way, the truth, and the life. That you can't come to the Father. You can't love the Father without loving Jesus. So does that word or does that impression lead you to a deeper sense of love and honor for Jesus? I remember some years back, I was in ministry and I was feeling really overwhelmed and discouraged. And it was just a really hard time. And I remember sitting in my office on my couch with my face in my hands, just feeling defeated. And I experienced an impression. Some might say, well, that was a voice. It wasn't an audible voice, but something spoke to me. And the voice was, Kevin, I know what you're going through, and I love you. That's it. And I became very emotional and very tearful, and I felt understood, I felt loved, and I felt encouraged. And it definitely increased and deepened my love for Christ. So that's how you can tell. Number three, and this is connected with that, is does it encourage practical displays of love for other followers of Jesus? Right? Along with the greatest command, Jesus, and the second greatest command is similar. It's loving your neighbor as yourself. It's almost like as if Jesus is saying, if you want to know how well you're doing in loving me, you examine how well you are loving other people. Jesus followers, right? So if you hate other Jesus followers and other people, you can't say that you love God because the two are inseparable. So how does it go when it comes to loving other Jesus followers? I remember getting off of my couch after hearing that kind of voice and that word from the Lord, and it gave me encouragement to serve kind of the people that I was pastoring at the time. And it was, it was wonderful. I got encouragement. I had kind of endurance. I had just uh, the sense of that I wanted to love these people. And I did. I picked up the phone. I called them. I checked up on them and saw if there were any ways in which I could meet their practical needs. The fourth thing that we can use as a way to discern whether something is from God or not is, does it agree with your design? And I actually took this and borrowed this from Rick Warren. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, God says this to the prophet. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So there wasn't an accidental birth. God knew and God had a design for Jeremiah. And I believe that's true for every single one of us. We all have a unique temperament, right? So maybe more extroverted, some introverted, people who are more feeling-oriented versus more kind of logic-based. God has designed you in a unique and particular way. And so if the word that's spoken over you and the impression that you get that maybe you should follow this kind of calling or accept this type of job, if it doesn't align with the design over your life, you could probably say that isn't from the Lord, For me, I'm kind of big picture. I enjoy working with people. And I love seeing how things kind of interconnect and making meaning out of that. Now, if all of a sudden someone speaks a word and says, hey, Kevin, you're called to be an accountant, someone who does um, very detailed work and you need to be very linear in your thinking and that's just what God's call for. I can honestly say that's not from God because it doesn't align with my design. And the last thing is, does your community affirm it. Maybe it's your small group. Maybe it's your AA group. Maybe it's just your family of origin. But what do they think about it? When you present that word to them, do they agree with it? Do they say, that's just crazy. That's totally not you. And you need to listen to that. And I have a couple of guys in my life who have been there in good times and bad times. And so they know me. They know how I operate. They know my heart along with my wife. And so whenever I get some thoughts or maybe someone says something over my life I'll always bring it before them and check and if you know they all kind of say "Hey, I, this, this is something that you might want to kind of explore then I feel like it's a green light for me to not readily accept it but just to give it more thought if we go back and we look at the original kind of word that my friend's friend gave to me that you have the spirit of Samuel and we go through all these criteria. I think we can see that, hmm, maybe it kind of leans more towards this wasn't necessarily from God. But let's not dismiss it. We'll just put it on the bookshelf, and then we can explore it later. So, you have the spirit of Elijah. Number one, does it point to the biblical Jesus? Not really. It pointed to biblical Samuel, but not to Jesus. So, eh, no. Does it deepen my love and intimacy obedience to Christ? No, it deepened my intimacy of my own self and trying to understand me more. So probably didn't pass that criteria. Did it encourage me to display practical examples of love to other brothers and sisters? No, I was just more consumed about myself and trying to figure out my call. Fifth, did it agree with my design? Oh, I can see some things, right? He he liked to kind of um, encourage and kind of point out blind spot towards leaders. Maybe. Does my community affirm it? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. So for me and for you, if those kind of words were spoken, you take those words because it really doesn't point us to Jesus. It doesn't do all those things. You put it to the side and you don't give it much weight. Because here's the thing. If that's something that God really wants you to know, communicate in another way that's more clear in a way that resonates with you. So I hope you have been helped by this, and I'm blessed. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we have this community of Garden City to help come alongside of us to to discern, Father, your voice. Because at the end of it all, uh, Jesus, we want to be like you. We want to know you. We want to experience you because it's in you that we find life. And so, Father, there may be some people who have had some things said over their life and, you know, to this day, they just can't shake it. And I pray that some of these principles would begin to help them experience some freedom. Freedom as they are drawn near to you. I want to lift these things up and pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or comments about today's message or would like to contact Garden City Church, reach out at info@gardencitynw.com or click contact in our show notes. Garden City services are made possible by your generosity. Your generosity is love in action. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.